Welcome to the Healthy Love and Money Podcast. If you find money to be the number one, two, or even third largest source of stress in your relationship, then you're in the right place. Going beyond how to budget, invest, and do your taxes, we're going to explore financial intimacy. Discover how to talk with your partner about your shared financial life. Let's take the awkward and painful out of money conversations. Join me and hit follow to listen to weekly inspiring, healing, and motivating interviews with financial therapists, couples therapists, and financial planners, and so many more. Let's go on the journey of financial intimacy together. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Healthy Love and Money Podcast. Today, I have Tanya Diamond with me. She is a master life strategist and, drumroll please, Tantra lineage holder. (laughs) Now, I have no idea what that exactly means, but man, my brain is already blown. And Tanya and I go a little bit back, not too far, but we've had some pretty incredible conversations before this recording, so I trust this episode is going to be lively. And just so that you know, we will be talking about sex. So if you're in a place where that's not appropriate, throw in the earbuds or hit pause and come back to this one later because you're going to want to listen. Tanya, (laughs) welcome to the show. Hey, Adam. Happy to be here. I like that. uh, Yeah. Preamble. (laughs) Trigger warning. (laughs) Trigger warning. We are going to be talking about adult things. That means sex and money today and that powerful intersection (laughs) So, Tanya, can you give anybody that's listening a little background on you and what makes you a master life strategist, Tantra lineage holder? Absolutely. So the short version, I used to say the Reader's Digest version, but nobody reads that or (laughs) knows what that is anymore. That's how old I am. So um, (laughs) basically, uh, master life strategist, I've been uh, working with people in the areas of life, love, money, sex for over 37 years, probably closer to 40 now. and I compacted 82,000 people in 60 countries with over 50,000 hours of coaching in all those online business, whatever. So life strategy simply means that if you've got a challenge, you can call me. And (laughs) ranging from everything, like I said, from sex to making money, online business, whatever it is. And then Tantra Lineage Holder, uh, basically, I learned the technology of Tantra, and it is a technology. In the West, we think of Uh, Tantra Mm. as a sex thing, that's Neo-Tantra. But Tantra itself is a a scientific technology that goes back thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And I learned that from an authentic Tantra master long ago in an old city in India. And so uh, learning the uh, energy mastery and the idea of the fact that our nervous system, how we manage our energy and our nervous system is the key to how we handle and live life. Well, I think that that's right. That's the unique tie in today for people that are listening. They're like saying, hey, I listen to this podcast to help me with my marriage and money. And the reality is, well, it's not just your marriage and money. That's my favorite area to talk about and where I'm best equipped. But sex is inevitably a part of any intimate relationship. And mastering the energy within yourself. That's, I like that language. Can you expand on that? It sounds like it's connected with the nervous system. Tell us a little bit more about what you mean there. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of the times when we 
want to make changes. First of all, our brain does not want to make changes. Our brain is hardwired in. It used to be a simple life that we lived. We went and hunted, ate, you know, did that type of thing. Life is way more complex in the last 150, 170 years with the advent of electricity. But before that, our brain really was created to lay down these neural pathways that basically said, this is how you do something. This is how you do it. Don't eat that berry run away from that predator. Very, very simple things. So the brain didn't want to actually, it's a lot of resource for the brain to make changes. And so if we don't address our nervous system, our chemistry first, I feel like trying to make those changes is a lot more difficult. I feel like what happens then is it's like um, trying to lift a super heavy weight with absolutely zero training or very little training. It's just harder. Once you master the nervous system and your chemistry, you can evoke changes quickly. Like I decided that I wasn't going to eat sugar anymore. And my brain is so wired that when I make a decision, it just says, yeah, okay, we're doing that. So next day I wake up and I just don't eat sugar anymore. And people think, oh my God, you've got this discipline. And it's like, no, no, I've got brain training. (laughs) Yeah, so let's open that up because I think it's really important for people to start understanding. For me, as a recovering financial planner, I used to think that if I just knew how money worked, everything would be good to go, right? That's the <laughs> yeah, thought. Sure. Just If I can just improve the number of thoughts I have or the ideas about how money works, everything's going to work. And what you're saying is, no, 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 nervous system first. Yeah, because you you now there are people who say change your thoughts, change your life, right? By changing sure. your thoughts, you evoke and you do create different chemistry and feelings in your body when you change your thoughts. However, the nervous system works way faster than you'll ever ever think about anything. <laughs> and yes. so, if we're in hyper vigilant mode all the time, fear mode, shame mode, any of those those type of modes. Basically, that your body and chemistry and energy is reacting to that. So it makes thinking things positively harder. You can think positive, but if your chemistry is dysregulated, yeah, it's not going to work. So all those people that are like, oh, I've been affirming for years. Why am I not rich? You know, I've been, you know. Um, I'm thinking my relationship is awesome. Why is it still crap? Well, it's because there's other things at play underneath that that are making it harder. And that's the physiology side. And so the nervous system, the autonomic nervous system, is that what we're talking about? We're talking about those, yeah, the the stuff that happens way before you think about it, 100%. Yes, yeah. I mean, those systems, right, that are that are regulated by chemistry changes. So you think something, your chemistry changes. Well, what happens if you're not thinking? What happens if you smell something? You see something? You uh, remember something subconsciously, not even in the conscious part of your brain. We're trying to fix things from the conscious part of our brain, which is the slowest really part of anything that's happening. That's so important. So how does that then shape the way that people approach their financial life and their sex life? Well, absolutely, because when we're born, even before we're born, we're start be, we're starting to be programmed, programmed by everything around us, programmed by our parents, by society, by what we see, smell, think, all of these things. And so it all happens at an unconscious level. And so when you have, like you said, I'm sure you, you know, the money story, like how you think about money, feel about money, experience money is all implanted. It's not actually yours story. It's an implanted story because uh, you're too young to make that story up yet. Right. 
Right. Okay. So then, uh, you know, I, I love it. People think, oh, yeah, no, my decisions are my own. Hey, dude, 97% <laughs> of the decisions you make are not from your conscious mind. Oh, oh no, wait, you're blowing <laughs> this up for me. I don't like this. Tell me it's not true. It's <laughs> true. It's true. Okay. I trust you. Your sex stories are the same thing. Right. And your money and sex, these things energetically and even evolutionarily, it, let's think of resources instead of money, sure. uh, if we go back far enough, yeah, are yeah. hardwired in in such a way that they influence each other. And if you want to get into like body wisdoms, like, you know, tight ass, we all know what that means. Yes, right? That's an yes. energetic feeling of being gripped about resources and it today might be it might be money and that gripping is your ass your anus particularly we find people that have t- tight money stories scarcity not abundance yeah, are contracted right. their ass is actually contracted the whole lower digestive system wait so if you're listening right now you may be checking with your butt and squeezing <laughs> your cheeks your to see like is my ass tight <laughs> yeah. or not today and um yeah, I might I might be a recovering tight ass myself. I mean, uh, I don't know if I should well, disclose that, but yes, I'm. My wife, if she were here, would tell you in Ed's own unique ways, he's a tight <laughs> ass about things. Now, in other ways, she might say he has no control over that sphincter well, at all. There you go. And that's a problem too, right? So right. because, I mean, if we're really getting anatomical about this, the nervous system and the autonomic nervous system goes straight down. And ends almost at the anus, doesn't it? Exactly. So your vagus nerve starts in your face. Longest nerve in the body runs all the way through your heart, your digestive, your sex organs, everything. And it influences, I call it the social nerve. It influences a lot of how you react, especially in the dynamic of somebody else. So there's how you are by yourself. Right, right. And then as soon as you add another person to the mix, now you're in a dynamic And your chemistry and nervous system react to that dynamic as well. So let me, let me go here. So let's go from tight ass or loose ass, because you can be too tight or too loose, both sides are imbalanced, to what does that have to do with sex? Well, that energy system, that resources, family, tribe at the base of your spine is also connected to sex, creativity, which is the next step up. So chances are, if you're tight or loose in that area, you're also tight or loose sexually. Sure. Well, and this is that that kind of that trading. I I see a lot of couples going through between like one's like really tight around the sex, and another's around the money, and then they're kind of trading their tightness, if you will. Absolutely. I, mean, I think that makes sense, right? Yeah, well, the dynamic, right? So they're they're pinging off each other, and a lot of couples pick each other, and they end up picking the perfect storm. Like very rarely do people pick like, oh, you're financially, you know, uh, responsible. And there's another word for you that can impact later, but financially responsible. And this person's oh. not. You're sexually responsible. And this person's not. Uh, you're, you know, you save and this person doesn't. That idea of constriction, let's just make it super simple. Contraction or expansion. And if you look at your relationship with finances, with sex, with your partner, yeah. who's expansive and who's contracted, and how often do you get into arguments about those things? <laughs> well, yeah, no, I think, I mean, this is like being very personal for me and thinking about, and I appreciate you introducing like on your own, you're kind of one way. Yeah. But once you get in a relationship, you, you, it's a dynamic now and sure. you change. And when I think about 
my 20-year-old, 21-year-old self, young professional firefighter, I think for my age and stage, I was decently balanced on the the saving and spending side of things. But I got to tell you, in the 15 years that I've been married, like that has gotten in some ways more imbalanced in me. In the mm. early year to my early phase of my marriage, it became hypervigilant and tight-ass towards saving everything we could to the future. Until my wife finally said, no, no, we're not doing that. And so then I pendulum swung to the other side where it's like, I'm not blowing this <laughs> up, but I'm I'm just not worried about it. And I'm just spending whatever I want and not thinking about it much because. And so that role switching that we can get into. Yeah. And being able to talk about. And so like I hear I hear people criticize their partner as being a, an overspender all the time. Overspender, yeah. And it's like, well, what does that mean? And what's the dynamic that leads to that? And yeah, well, you know, when we get into partnerships, we don't realize that's an, a lot of unconsciousness goes into picking our partners as well. And of course, nobody <laughs> has a school, you know, a something in high school or college that says how to pick the right partner. Um, and there's Wait, but a lot isn't there like those cheap tabloid magazines that tell us five tell steps it, to yeah. picking your best? I love taking those t- quizzes, right? Are you with the right person? They've always said no. Damn it, they were always right. Um, so <laughs> 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 we fall into unconscious par- patterns with our partners. And we also have a lot of unspoken agreements around oh sex and around money. Oh so my like, God. either yeah. we're playing out our parents' roles or we're you know, reversing our parents' roles and going the other way. And then there's the whole masculine, feminine dynamic of society and who's (sighs) supposed to be the provider and who's supposed to be this. And there's so much happening at an unconscious level, at a feeling level, at a neural pathway level, and so much unspoken things that are going on that it's surprising anybody actually lasts at all doing anything (laughs) quite frankly like when i see a couple that's actually really great together i'm like wow how did you guys do that um (laughs) you know it's it's a nasty high school chemistry set just waiting to explode for the most part right right because most people actually pick their partner based on pheromones which are for baby making and not for long-term relationship status so that's an entirely different thing there (laughs) well i love i I love that and this is you know a client of mine I, i don't know if you've heard of this guy his Dr. Stan Tackin, uh, I'm a big fan of his work. He does, he's studied interpersonal neurobiology. So he'd be talking about some of what we're talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I said, Oh, you know, you're in the dating market. You need to go read his book, Wired for Dating. I think it'll be really helpful. And she comes back and she's like, He says not to move in with anybody for at least a year. What do yeah. you think about that? And I, you know, I think in what you're talking about is that pheromones can spark the initial attraction, right? And say, like, yeah. But like who you're really attracted to will not be clear to you for at least a year. Well, I, because I, you know, if I'm working with couples, it's basically kind of like pheromones are great and they last forever. If you don't like the way your partner smells, you probably shouldn't be with them. So, but birth control, <laughs> birth control pills change that. And so does pregnancy. Ooh. So there's the thing. But anyway, that's an entirely different episode. Let's look at this from, a, from a, you know, the, the idea of now you're together regardless, uh, you can build intimacy if you don't have that spark. But what that spark does for women is it overtakes any logic in judgment uh, that they make. So it feels like your soulmate. It's not, but that's what it feels like. 
So then when it comes to, you know, here you're with your partner and you've got that, you've got attraction, physical attraction, chemical attraction. I really like to help people focus on the value attraction as well. Mm, Say more about that. Yeah, which happens to be like, how do you like to live your life? Because, uh, you know, do you, are you, and this would be financially, like, are you a spender? Do you believe in experiences versus materialism? Um, all of these value-driven things, which we don't, we think love conquers all. That's a Hollywood thing. Most people break oh. up. They're still in love when they break up. It's not, you know, that's yeah, not how yeah. it happens. Right, it's low-level right. stressors, low to medium-level stressors over a long period of time that screw people up big time. I like to say it's the grain of sand in your shoe. Yeah, right. right, like, right. You can right, survive right. that for a little bit of time, but man, if you leave that thing unattended, your foot's going to be gnarly. 100%. And we know that sex and money are those two big things that <sighs> seem to just always come up over and over again. And then there's the house cleaning. And I know I throw yeah, that in there. I've got a book that I'm writing <laughs> called Too Much Laundry. It's the decline <laughs> of women's sexual arousal. Yeah. Oh my gosh. uh, Yeah. Anyway, so if yeah, if you don't pay attention to those values of how you live, it doesn't mean you need to be like one hundred percent in the same vein. Right. What you do need to be is completely aware of the operating mode that's going on with that. You know, you talked about so vulnerably, like you used to be tight. In the beginning of the, you know, let's save, save, save. All right. Right. And then you went kind of swung to the other side a little bit like, woohoo, yay, let's have a party. Kind of those. Right. right? Yeah. So yep. from the chemical and uh, chemical of that, I'd ask you to kind of like, what was your nervous system doing at that point? Like, what were the societal implications? You're married. You're supposed to provide. Let's oh, save. Yeah. You know, who knows what the future I want to show you. I can do this. And then on the other th- side might be like, oh, my gosh, I feel like I need to step up and, uh, you know, create this financial wealth for us. So let me take some chances and see, because I'm guessing you're not frivolous. I'm guessing you're probably like spending on programs and things uh, like that. No, you got my number pegged. It's, <laughs> it's not it's not quote unquote frivolous. It is a little business frivolousness. But it is I think a lot of what you're talking about, right, is it's that role expectation of myself yeah. that. You know, and I think for a long time I've tried to, I don't want to say this, distance myself from the inner internalized reality of me being a male and male cultural expectations. Mm-hmm. Just like that's bad or it's not pro-feminine. And it's like, look, folks, I internalize gender role expectations just like everybody else. Yeah. And the best I can do is recognize when they're operating not to my benefit and not to my partner's benefit. But yeah. to try to extinguish them or say like they're not there is a fool's errand. And I've, I've ran it many times. So yeah, we're all, we're all stuck in that. No matter like, because we swing to the other side, we're not, if we push hard, anytime we're out of balance, we're either pushing hard one way or the other. And I know you said this beautifully. And when we were on a, uh, on one of my episodes of my podcast, of we're not trying to be a middle straight line ground. We're trying to be a wave around that. Mm-hmm. Um, because anytime we're swinging hard one way or the other, like I know people who are multimillionaires who are gripped, right, about money, oh, freaking absolutely. out, like about money. You'd think like how in the world could they could even spend all their money in a lifetime and yet they're scared. They wake up scared about it. They go to sleep scared about it. They're tight around it. Yeah. So it's not a logical thing here, right? And then right. other people who don't have any money who just spend it all without thinking about it at all and kind of like, okay. 
Yeah, or they're just, they don't even have to spend it all. They can just live comfortably in their relative poverty and it doesn't bother them. Right. It's like, I'm just at peace with this, this is it. And it's like, yeah. I mean, for me, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I mean, no judgment. If that's you, that's where you're at. I, t- let me know your secret sauce. But like, because money equates security for me and for, for many, many other people for very right. real reasons. Like, really? Well, so that's the great question, right? So one of the things is, so how do you bring this money and sex conversation? Because to me, they're the same conversation into your relationships to update your relationship. Uh, uh, right. Lots of people yeah, have relationships yeah. and never have state of the union meetings, never have updates. They just kind of go along with whatever the preconceived notion was. And then there's all this nitpicking. So look, men aren't jerks <sighs> and women aren't bitches. If your uh, partnership's bitchy, she's naggy, bitchy, and you're being a jerk, passive or whatever it is, that's because there's money and sex problems. Absolutely. Almost 100%. always I can bring absolutely. it down to those kind of things because they're one and the same. They're about power or lack of. Yeah. Well, they're about power and safety, security, felt, felt seen, expressiveness. Like I want to, you know, like I think about my own sexual maturation, like how do I give expression to who I am sexually and wanting to test the boundaries of that and expand it, but feeling constrained. And I think that same thing is like, I'm, you know, I'm so used to being this way financially, but I'm, I need to break out of my financial mold. I'm ready to leave the salary job and become an entrepreneur. And I mean, you and I both work with a lot of entrepreneurs that are yeah. like have left the safety safety of their job. And, and there is a, I don't want to poo poo it because there is a type of safety there, you know, and there's safety can mean different things in different contexts, but that jump from one type of financial arrangement to another type of financial expression really is more the word I, I'm wanting to say is Really a big jump, isn't it? Well, absolutely. I think because, you know, when, if we think about the energetic component of uh, family, tribe, and resources, which is what I call the first body wisdom, and that would be money now, resources, right. money. It's, it, you, you use the word security, right? And yeah. a lot of people feel that way, think they feel that way. But if you really question, because you have great questions about money, you know, asking right. this question, you know, money is... If you said money is to me, I wouldn't say security. Uh-huh. I would say money is freedom. Yeah. So build on that, right? Because, you know, I think we could say the same thing. Like money and sex are perfect projectives. Yeah. Because we any human value or experience can be projected onto sex or onto money. Absolutely. Right. And right. the most simple simple projective is money is good or bad. Now, you yeah. and I, I think both would say, well, it's neither. Sex is good or bad. It's neither. Right. But we can get into a lot more nuance too. Yeah. So you say money is freedom. Yeah. Which says something about you as much as money is security about me. And neither are right or wrong. They're just. Right. They're just how we feel. And this is the conversation. Like, you know, getting, if we were free to have conversations that didn't make us feel right or wrong or responsible or irresponsible or, uh, perverted or not, or, you know, whatever it is that we're, we're, you know, going in there, you know, in the sex realm, people ask me, well, are you kinky? And I'm like, dude, I don't have any taboos. There's no such thing as kink in my world. There is me as a, as a adult with consent and other people with consent, but I don't have labels that titillate Mm. me or project upon me or make it seem something like the word naughty. Don't use it in sex. 
that uh, implies that something is wrong or I'm still in the immature phase of my, you know, I'm getting away with something. So think about what are the conversations around money with that? You know, there's irresponsible, there's lazy, lazy, yet lazy, there's um, ignorant, there's uneducated, there's, you know, um, smart, smart, yeah, oh my God, smart, yeah, smart about money, right, right. And there is naughty about money. Ooh, I was, you know how that, you'll even body language when you say, oh, hey, honey, and there's that, you know, shoulder tilt and the, you know, I just, mm, went to have a talk, right? So shame, guilt, all of the same emotions that, that come up around these things. So yeah, for me, money is freedom. For me, sex is awesome sauce. And so, (laughs) you know. Wait, can I make money my awesome sauce? Like, (laughs) I like that too. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, first of all, finding out what is. Like, we have to get real with what is. Absolutely. If you're getting off spending money because you're rebelling against your parents, um, if you're getting off using naughty or doing things that make you feel shame or edgy or anxious in sex, then these are the same types of things. Yes. Uh, say all that one more time because like yeah. my my head is just soaking this in as fast as it can. Yeah. So these yeah these expressions like oh I was naughty with money or I'm you know I'm oh I'm getting myself a treat that still has that kind of decadent oh, kind of treat thing. Oh yeah. this is a pre- this is a reward for me. Is oh. the same thing when we're saying you know sexually ooh I'm being a little naughty here and it's all kind of rebellion. Um, that all has a rebellion to it. Usually it's rebellion against parents, which is really funny when you bring your parents to bed with you, but so many people, <laughs> oh, no. so many people oh, yes. are bringing their parents to bed with them because they're oh. running programs from that. Uh, we're not, we're not children. We're like full fledged adults. So like this idea of, wait, wait, I didn't yeah, hear you. Can you say that one more, can you say that one more time? Full fledged adults. We are. Wait, when did I get full, that title? Like, was uh, that when I got my driver's license? Right was, now. I'm giving it to you right oh. now. <laughs> Card-carrying take, member, full-fledged adult. Run, take it and run with it, uh, right? And then you might be like, well, Tanya, but those things turn me on. Yeah, just like spending money does. Hmm, interesting. Uh, just because it feels yeah. good doesn't mean you should do it. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Healthy Love & Money podcast. I'm honored that you spend time with me listening to these incredible interviews. I love working with individuals and couples around their financial life, integrating mental health and relational well-being. I'd love to personally invite you into my financial planning practice where I do therapy-informed financial planning, bringing together mental health, relationship health, and financial well-being. If you're thinking that's the type of help you'd like, please see the show notes below to schedule your free 30-minute discovery call. And I'll look forward to seeing you and hearing more about your unique story and how I can best support you. Now, back to the show. When did I get oh, that title? Like, was it when I got it, my driver's license? Right is, now. I'm giving it to you right oh, now. <laughs> Card-carrying <laughs> member, full-fledged adult. Run, take it and run with it. Uh, right. And then you might be like, well, Tanya, but those things turn me on. Yeah, just like spending money does. Hmm, interesting. Uh, just because it feels yeah. good doesn't mean you should do it. That's And that feels almost counterculture to some of the narrative that I hear out there. It's like, just do what feels good. Just do what feels right. And it's like, right. well, well, no, there's limits 
to well, this. Well, even, even yeah. worse than that is usually your feel good or your gut intuition, if you've had any type of trauma, is wrong. It's, it's, <laughs> uh, it's the, the so, false positives. <laughs> yeah, well, this yes. feels right to me and it feels right to you because it's a, you know, an adaptiveness from your three-year-old self or four-year-old self oh, that yeah. did this. So it's like, yeah, I say... Just because it feels good doesn't mean you need to do it. Just because it turns you on doesn't mean it's healthy. Just because you feel, you know, decadent or righteous doesn't mean it's healthy or a good response either. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, everybody in the audience. No, this is really powerful. And I think for someone that, you, may, I don't know how you'll feel about this word, but I feel like is kind of sexually enlightened, right? Is I think people could hear like an introduction and be like, oh, what is she going to say? And it's just... The projections, and yeah. I'm sure you've had, you've had every projection possible. You think there's projections on me? <laughs> no, well, I mean, I might be wrong, but I mean, <laughs> people are pretty blown away when I when I'm kind of like the anti. When I say that, like, just because it feels good doesn't mean you should do it. Yeah, um, it is something that I get a lot of controversy about. Uh, I'm also like the um, yeah, but I mean, if you if you look at all the like food, so we're wired for reward. Okay, we are wired for reward now. Big time. Thousands of years ago, that that wasn't so edgy. I mean, reward was like, yay, I killed a deer, I get to eat the liver. Right. You know, I mean. <laughs> the amount and frequency of reward available was just not that much. Right. I mean, right? it was pretty, yeah, it was pretty like, and it was pretty like mundane. Like it didn't yeah. create high dopamine levels in our brain. Mm. They're like. Not the high, high, right? It created normal, regulated dopamine levels in our brain that we came down from. Nowadays, we can hit the reward button like shooting heroin so many times a day for everything. And we use everything. We use sex, food, money, whatever it is, we're using it to do that. So I think that we need to settle down a little bit and really have that feeling and use our feeling and our logic. This is where our full, what I call integrity comes in. That means you're fully integrated. You're not just running off your crotch or your mind (laughs) or your heart, right? Even the heart. There's a lot of heart felt people out there that are just heart centered folks that are right. Your heart, you have a full body heart centered people right now, as you're hearing this, I know you're feeling like we're stepping on your heart. I, I, I get it. But we need, we, we are stepping on your heart and it's for your good. We, we love you. We care about you. And we want you to be a whole person, not you're yes. not just a heart centered person. Yes. And for our head centered people, like feel our love. Can you like hear the whispers of our love for you? You don't have to be lost in your brain all the time. Like you can come down into your, your heart and feel things. You don't have to just stay analytical. And this, this runs people so roughshod in the money world. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. And then you crotch-centered people. Don't worry. We've got you, too. <laughs> it's... <laughs> it's okay. I don't know what to do with that. Tanya, that's Tanya's expertise. I'm still learning. But, uh, you know, Tanya, I was, I was thinking, like, just as you were talking about all this stuff, I was noticing, like, how activated my own brain is when you're talking about dopamine and reward mm-hmm. and food. And, like, as you're talking about all this stuff, like, so much excitement. And for me, I was like, I can't wait for this interview to be over, not because I'm not enjoying the hell out of myself, but because I really want a Diet Coke and a cookie, which is like my go-to food reward. And it's so interesting that just, you know, I'm doing I'm doing the show in the way that I'm doing it. I'm sharing myself so that people can know, like, yeah. that's a real guy. But, like, we're in this journey together. Like, yeah, we're talking about something highly stimulating. My brain is going 
<laughs> off onto its its paired condition of a chocolate chip cookie and a Diet Coke. So um, anybody listening, yeah. you can always send me a Diet Coke and a cookie. I, I'm going to say, please stop him from drinking Diet Cokes. Don't ever uh, send him a Diet Coke again. I'd rather you uh, have the sugar. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know. I, I know there's so many people listening like, Ed. <laughs> Ed, stop the Diet Coke. <laughs> so, so listen, though, right? I mean, this is the whole point of what we're talking about is um, – it's not my logical brain. Like I know yeah. logically diet Coke is not good for me, but it's yeah. that deeper process oriented part of my brain, yeah. the emotional. And so it, yeah. it's my, it's a working edge for me. No, I don't want it solved now. Don't send me an email. Tell me how I to love, do it. I love that you, I love that you're vulnerable on your podcast. I, I am the same, definitely on mine. But I want to say that, that when I said, when I say integrated and not just head and not just heart and, you know, in, in ancient wisdoms, there's like, you know, frog in your throat. Right. Yeah. So we have yeah. all this language, what I call body wisdoms, or if you're spiritually bent, you'd know them as the chakra system. But body wisdoms, they're there for a reason. And mm-hmm. so we have a full body, right? A full body, nervous system, feeling, logic, we you know, um subconscious, memory processing. We have it all. And what I find works best is when you're able to integrate all of those aspects. What happens is then you're making decisions from a total being versus just a programmed space or just a feeling space. We wouldn't have it all. We wouldn't have the complete package if we were only mm. supposed to navigate from one area. And so a lot of the work that I do with helping people with their nervous system, which relates to sex or money or relationships, whatever it is, speaking their truth, yeah. healing from trauma, yeah. is really this this idea of integration. And a lot of people use that word. They throw it around with like, what yeah. the heck does it even mean? Well, for me, it means that you're using all the wisdom you have. You're using mm-hmm. the primal wisdom you have, the the cerebral wisdom you have, the chemical wisdom you have. And you, you're using it all from a non- uh, traumatized, non-dysregulated uh, state. Would you say from a reflective stance even? Well, reflective and like some of these things don't work reflectively. Like in the uh, beginning, you know, yeah. So basically from, uh, I, when I use the word totality, I mean that so I can take a moment. Uh, here comes an option for me. I can take a moment and I can feel what I feel. And I might feel excited. Okay, where do I feel that in my body, right? I might yeah. feel scared. Where do I feel that in my body? Because it's an and world. You could have all of these feelings and experiences and thoughts. I think right. it's a good thing. I think this is the right thing to do. Now, your brain is the least, your brain will lead you astray because it'll rationalize anything you want. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so you need to listen to your brain. I'm very cerebral. Um, you know, I'm a nerd big time. And yeah, yeah. yet if I didn't have the operation of the rest of my body, I know that my mind can make, give me decision-making things that are like, really, really? You think that's a good <laughs> idea? Cause the rest of me is going, yo, Hey, uh, no, 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 Information, yeah. psychic, energetic, emotional, physical. And that's when we get with our partners, two people in internal conflict. Uh, it's really uh, tough. Uh, uh, it's uh, tough. Uh, yeah. So you and I both know starting with self is is the way you have to you have to work with yourself and that self-awareness, which you were talking about on one of my shows, is so key. Yeah. Yeah. Self-awareness, getting real. Most of us lie to ourselves. 
what is it, 2,000 times plus a day? Well, we don't even recognize them as lies, which is part of the challenge, right? <laughs> right There's such right. good lies that we yeah. don't even recognize them as lies. I, this is maybe a, a slight aside, but like, I even had pointed out to me like, Ed, you're sarcastic just yesterday. And I was like, wait, what? I didn't even like, because I don't, that's not part of my story of, of who I am okay. as like, oh. as a sarcastic person. And they're like, that's pretty sarcastic. I was like, Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, uh, I didn't mean any harm by it, but I'm sorry. So I just wanted to put a bow on that integrated idea that you can be all those things. In fact, if you're thinking, well, I just, logic is the only way to go. It's like, dude, you're missing like a whole bunch of information that's critical. And the biggest problem between men and women and, and masculine and feminine, let's just say, because there's a lot of women in the masculine role today. Oh, and my that's, gosh, yes. And, and right. a lot of men have who love women don't want to be in conflict, so they kind of water down. Yep, and then the yep, women yep. are pissed off at them for it. You know, it's, yep. anyway, it's this whole thing. Um, it's a big thing. It's yeah, a really big it's thing. It's a really big thing. And <laughs> yeah. it messes up your sex life, too. Is the, the whole idea of sitting back and being integrated means that you're aware and you can see these shifts happening. And then you can have conversations that are more about that are I centered, like instead of right centered, right? Mm-hmm. Like I am feeling not like you're an asshole. Cause that's still not okay. That's, that's what <laughs> right. a lot of people do with the, I feel statement. Oh, uh, I feel like right. you're an asshole and you're screwing right. up they, our whole relationship. They um, just turn into a judgment about the other yeah, person. I always yeah. say this, I was like, say, start with, I'm afraid that. If you want to have a conversation and you start with, I'm afraid that, yeah. you know, let's say I'm having with you, I'm afraid that, you know, you want to spend that money on business because, you know, X, Y, and Z, or I'm afraid that you, you know, uh, you're talking to your overspender partner. I'm afraid that you're going to spend so much money that I'm going to have to work forever. I'll never be able to stop working. Yeah. Right. I'm afraid that you're never going to let us spend any money and I'm going to die before I ever have any fun. Which is just as important. Right. Either one. Absolutely. No right, no wrong. But integrated conversations are about how I'm feeling, whether it's rational or not. And being heard. Right. Well, and I think right. so often when I give clients the chance to just say whatever is in their head with no judgment about whether it's right or wrong, logical or illogical, they get it out and put into words. And I don't have to tell them that's illogical. They just recognize it. Yeah. Like, because it's something happens and I can't explain the mechanisms, but we have all these thoughts that are half baked floating around in our head. And then once you put words to them and put them out into the environment, it's like, well, damn, that doesn't actually make any sense. Does it? Right. Oh, All right. While we rattle around in our brain, they can we can you know rearrange them how we want. But yeah, once we're verbally processing them, it does sound a lot different. And that idea of giving your partner grace. So, what's the first question I always ask is if I feel righteous about this, then chances are I'm not going to listen to anybody because I feel righteous and right. And so there's no there's no conversation from that standpoint. That that is so powerful. And you know, I don't feel like I hear enough people using like that word to name the state of mind that they're in, but that's the state of mind that I know when the couples I'm working with the money, the self-righteousness is just off the scales a lot of times when yeah. I first start with couples. Yeah. And that and because we do moralize money decisions, mm-hmm. 
right? We, all of us, I mean, this weekend I was stuck in a conversation with someone about like, what's better, public school or private school? And the case, you know, and it's like, yeah. After I was like, was that even the right conversation to be having? I don't think so. Right. But it was like, we're so quick to moralize financial behavior and sexual behavior mm-hmm. that we really miss a lot of our own self-righteousness in that and the alienation we end up creating. Most important in our intimate relationship. Yeah. I mean, there is no intimacy unless you're a, you're going to reveal yourself. You know, the idea of like, you know, getting naked financially is the same idea of like getting naked uh, with money, you know, financially or sexually, right? That idea of revealing right. the parts of you that you're afraid to reveal. Like if your story is you're irresponsible with money, especially if you're a man, like it's, for some reason, oh. society is kind of better if women are irresponsible with money. I don't know like why <laughs> that is. I know, but it's kind of weird, right? It's like, yeah, it's, okay. it's not good. Right. It's not good. It's not okay. And uh, the amount of people that women that, that are that way that don't have, they're afraid. You know what happens? This is what happens there. Their husband becomes their father. Oh, big time. Right. Oh, so yeah. that, that whole dynamic there of the person who makes the money becomes the parent. The person who <laughs> has the most money is the power parent is yep. such a, a detrimental, even if you kind of like the idea of daddy in bed. You know, it's it can still be pretty detrimental unless you guys all agreed about that before you even got married or had sex. Right. Like yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, I see it all the time. And that's that holding both parties responsible for that dynamic is, yeah. you know, like if we play the conventional route, hey, look, honey, wife, you don't get to just play damsel in distress here financially. Right. P- play the. F- I mean, I was talking with a client recently and. It's about the spending. And then, you know, it's like, I'm getting to know them. And it's like, oh, yeah. And I was a financial advisor. I'm like, wait, where's that part of you showing up in your marriage now? Like, I don't get it. So, I mean, I do get it. But it's, I do get it. Like, it's because it's that power dynamic. And all of our first money experiences are with our parents. Yeah. Right. And in some ways, and people are going to be grossed out by this. And Tanya, I'm curious what you think is all of our first sexual experiences are with our parents. And I'm not talking. Yeah. I'm not talking about intercourse. I'm talking about the way our bodies are touched and held and seen and talked about and looked at. Right. Not the inappropriate kind. Even if it was a healthy, even a healthy dynamic or a uh, let's say non-abusive dynamic, 100%. From the moment your parent takes off your diaper and cleans you, depending on how they clean you, if they're rough, if they're disgusted, the looks on your face. So babies are absorbing the look and energy of a parent from the get-go. Right. So if you have problems regarding that, if you have, you're gripped around, you have money discussions that are tense. Right. right? Or you don't have them, like no sex conversations about, you know, no money conversations. You know, my parents were better about talking about to me about sex than they were about money. Money yeah. was just a ma- magical experience, and sex was uh, save it for the person you love, which led me, by the way, as a very literal person, <laughs> to believe that an erection was a profound expression of love until I was in my 20s, literally 20s. Uh, that was such an eye-opening experience when I realized, wait a minute, this isn't true. You can no. have sex without being in love. Huh. Anyway. <laughs> well, but I, I do think, like, and that may not just be testament to you being a literal person. I think that that's part of that the the mix of childhood development and the places of literalness and yeah. like imaginativeness 
Yeah. And they, they're messy for kids. Yeah. Because well, there's absolutely. some kids, there's some things that the kids will take as like black and white, literal God's honest truth. Yes. And then other things that are like, wait, how do you even put these two things like so yeah. fantastic is what befuddles me as a parent. And I think many others. And honestly, Tony, I was thinking about, you've alluded to, I was on your podcast recently and we had some great conversations. And so as we flow over to this, my podcast, and I think about you were talking about some of your shopping experiences with your mom and what that was like for you. So this weekend I head out shopping with my son and I have our conversations fresh in my mind. And we end up in one of the finest purveyors of furniture, Ikea. <laughs> okay. Well, no, this is not a brand endorsement. Although Ikea, if you want to send me a little money, go ahead. That'd be great. Um, but you know, we're going through the shopping experience. We're there for a particular reason, right? We're, he needs a back to school desk and a couple lamps and a chair. So we're getting that stuff. And you know, we're walking out. And wouldn't you know it, but they have this killer dill on this backyard umbrella <laughs> that like has the whole canopy and mechanical. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, this is the best thing. And then I'm looking at my son and I'm so excited. And the price is $219 and I just can't – and the energy. And and so this whole process, my son is watching at 11. He yeah. knows we didn't come for this. Not Dad's adding this impulsive like decision. Mm-hmm. And we go out. And, you know, I'm thinking about like how as kids, what our parents look like when we're shop, when they're shopping and yeah. how we translate that. And I'm yeah. trying to contextualize why it's okay that I just did this and we didn't call mom first. And that's a little <laughs> bit of that power dynamic too. Like, sorry, honey, when you listen to this episode, I mean, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, but it, it is under that agreed upon threshold of like, if it's less than this, we can spend yeah. it and it'll be okay. Yeah. But this was not what you were expecting me to bring home. So Anyhow, I share that all to say is like, yeah, we have a lot of money experiences as kids with our parents. And it's all this informal learning and it's so powerful. Yeah. And when I was talking about integration and your body wisdom, remember that we're taking in things energetically, emotionally, chemically. We feel all that from our parents. We're not just, you know, we're, we are. It's not just the words. It's not just the words. It's not just the look on their faces. It's how they feel. It's how they, we feel when they feel that way. The vagus nerve Mm. is a social nerve. It puts off different signals. And Mm -hmm. so all of this information, whether or not you are aware of it, your body is aware of it. Your chemistry is aware of it. You are aware of it. And so. I think it's important to understand that if you're quote unquote, you know, integrated with yourself, you're going to be knowing all that's happening. Most of us are operating at really too much of an uh, unconscious level that we wouldn't like recognize most of that, like being stressed. Most of us are all stressed because of technology and how we are, but most don't recognize it because it's normal. So that thing that feels normal to you, it feels normal to me to Go ahead, (laughs) buy that, get that treat, not, you know, check in or it feels, you know, whatever. Yeah. 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 So as we kind of bring this conversation to close, I mean, obviously this has only opened a thousand other conversations we can have, but I think (laughs) it seems like the big takeaway is like about the energy, the nervous system is at a critical play here, finding our way back into regulation and what is calm or set feel like even figuring that out that's a big win but then would you say this whole integration piece is not like a fixed state like nobody stays perfectly integrated all the time like it's 
Like that might be an aspiration to be integrated as much yeah. of the time as possible, but like. So in, integration is a thing. When, once you're integrated, you can have mom, you have moments of um, like it's it's like your chemistry. Once your chemistry is regulated and resilient, you'll have moments when you hear the "Hey, you have cancer." That your nervous system goes, "Whoa, crap, what?" But it comes right back into balance really quickly. That's what we're created to do. Right. Integration is the same. If you're integrated, it's hard to get thrown out of integration. Once you're integrated, it's something you just know. And unless you purposely avoid it, which you can right. do, right. with your logical right. mind, avoid yeah. listening, feeling, experiencing, you'll be there. And so it is something you can find. And regulation is something you can have. When I found out the quote unquote cancer thing, I was like, hey, okay, great. What do we do about it? Uh, I was attacked by a shark diving the next morning. I went back diving. I had no worries about it. But that's what a resilient nervous system will do for you. But you have to get there. And it takes a while. It can take a bit to get there. Uh, right. You have to know the right steps, but it's all it's possible. And what does it feel like to live in integration? Pretty well feels like it. Your purpose is daily is is maintaining. I believe your purpose in life is to maintain manage yourself. So, yeah. <laughs> so managing self is a commitment to yeah. your health and your well being and doing things that are keep in integration instead of conflict. I love it. I love it. That, that's a big one. Tanya, I know we'll have future conversations on this. This time together has been fantastic. <laughs> if people want to check you out and know more about your work or connect with you, what's the best way for them to go about doing that? Well, if they want to check me out, that's another conversation. But anyway, so no, <laughs> you can just, if you, if you Google Tanya, T-A-N-J-A diamond, you will find me on lots of pages of Google. But yeah, Facebook is my social media jam. So I'm definitely there, Tanya Diamond on Facebook. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty hard to miss if you're trying to find me. There's no hiding for Miss Tanya Diamond. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Tanya, it's been a blast to hang out with you today. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much, everybody. I invite you now to stop for five or ten minutes and reflect on what you just heard. Maybe even journal about it. Give yourself the time to consider what you just heard and what it means to you. By giving yourself the time to reflect and integrate what you just heard, it will help you along your journey of learning, healing, and growing towards financial intimacy in your life. Please like and follow this podcast and share with someone that would benefit from being on the journey of financial intimacy. Wishing you healthy love and money, Ed. Ed.